Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, we come before you this morning giving you all of our worship and praise. And we do seek to honor you and glorify you. Lord, we thank you for blessing us with a new year, Lord, and blessing us with a new day. Lord, I thank you that your word says that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, and great is your faithfulness. Lord, you, you promise to be with us, and that's the, the best blessing that I can think of, Lord, that you do not leave us alone. You are with us in every circumstance, in every trial, in every victory, in every loss. Lord, you are with us. We give you glory and honor and praise this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are so glad that you are with us for worship this morning. Uh, Welcome to everyone, and especially if you're a guest this morning, we're so thankful that you're here with us for worship. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas last week and a Happy New Year last night and today. What a better way to start out the year than by being in the house of the Lord with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Well, before I get into the message this morning, I've started out uh, New Year's the same way for quite a few years now since we've been here, and that's just encouraging the body to get in the Word. I know many of you already are, and that's fantastic, but if you're not regularly in the Word of God, I just want to encourage you to to, to read it, to listen to it, to find some uh, form media that works for you. Uh, I've, I've recommended the, the Daily Audio Bible. Uh, that's something that I've used for probably about 15 plus years now. I uh, kind of lost count of when I started, but I know it's been a long, long time. You can go there and uh, and listen to the Word of God. Uh, he takes you through the Bible uh, in a year, so you can read uh, some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, some of Proverbs and Psalms every day, and read along as as he reads aloud. Uh, I know Candy is doing one that's a chron- or did one this last year that was chronological, so it takes you through the Bible in the order that it was written. Um, you don't have to read through the whole Bible in a year. Uh, you can read one Proverbs a day. There's 31 Proverbs, and you could read through it 12 times in the year. Uh, you can go to any book the Lord leads you to and read a chapter or a few verses. But however you do it, I encourage you to get in the Word. There's something about putting the Word of God in your life on a daily basis uh, that, that reaps benefits and dividends that we can't uh, explain or describe. And I think uh, I kind of look at it like exercising. Uh, right now, I'm not in the best uh, uh, habit of exercising every day, but I've, I've had periods where I was better, and right now, it's not the better. Uh, but I know that when I was exercising, there was probably a never a day that I woke up and was like, yes, I want to go exercising. But there was also never a day that after I had exercised that I said, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. I was always glad after the fact, and that's the way I look at reading the Word of God. There's some days that I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it not because I'm just so excited to get in the Word, but because I know how beneficial it is for me. I know how good it is for me, and I can guarantee there's never been a, a day that I finished it, and I said, I wish I hadn't have done that. It's always valuable, and it's always worth uh, the time that's spent in the Word, however you, uh, the Lord leads you to do that. Well, at NCC, we invite all people, this is our vision for NCC, we invite all people in the communities where we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. And each of us are hopefully living a life that's an example of what it looks like to be in a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To know Him, to hear His voice, and to respond to that voice when we hear it. 
And here's a question that we can ask ourselves this morning as we step into a new year. And that question is this. Is my faith a living example of someone who's in relationship with Jesus Christ? This morning we're starting this series on patient faith. Exhibiting patient faith in our life is just one of many ways that we can be a living example of Christ to those who are around us. And when I think of the word patient, I usually think of waiting. And while the definition of patient does include waiting, it's much broader than that. You may uh, be aware of that. I I was kind of surprised by the, the full encompassing definition that I found when I started researching this word of patience. The short definition are three other words, steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. But here's, here's an explanation that digs into that. It says, patience is the characteristic of a person who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and loyalty to their faith by even the greatest trials and sufferings. It's the ability to endure difficult circumstances. It involves perseverance in the face of delay, a tolerance of provocation without responding in disrespect or anger, and being able to wait for a long amount of time without getting irritated or bored. Wow. (laughs) There's a lot to patience, a lot more than we normally think of, but I want you to keep that definition of patience in mind as we read from James chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4 this morning. It'll be on the screen if if you don't have your Bible with you. These are the words that James wrote. He said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We are to count it all joy When we fall into various trials. Really? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Why would we do that? According to James, it's because we know that the testing of our faith produces patience. Patience that fully encompasses the definition that I just read a moment ago. It would be amazing if we had faith that through testing produced that kind of patience. Let's take a look at another word in that verse, the word trials. So the word trials in in that verse means temptations, inward and outward, approving, trial of our integrity, virtue, and constancy, seeing what you are made of in the middle of adversity, affliction, and trouble. Sometimes we find out that we don't like what we find what we're made of in the middle of those things. Sometimes we're surprised ourselves by how we might respond when the pressure's turned up. But James says that we are to count these trials, these provings, these testings of our integrity and virtue, all joy. Why on earth would we do that? Because we know that the testing of our faith produces patience. And that word testing, it also has a similar meaning to the word trial, Improving, it's a little simpler. It just says, that by which something is tried or proved. We're seeing if it's really, if it really is what it says it is. Basically, James is saying when our faith is put to the test, it shows what it's really made of. 
And in the testing, in the proving, it actually strengthens our faith and produces patience. I'm sure you've all seen the classic movie, or many of you have seen the classic movie, probably not everyone. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. It's one of those uh, that around the holidays it seems like it's a Christmas movie. I've seen it more times than I could count in my lifetime. Uh, but at this holiday season, I actually had the opportunity to watch it two more times. And as I was thinking about this message that came to mind, the, uh, some of the scenes from that movie. And there's a scene in the movie where there's a run on the bank and the savings and loan, and everybody's afraid that they're going to lose all of their money, and it may have been in the Depression. It doesn't really uh, explain that part. It just says, you know, everybody was worried that they were going to lose all their money. And the whole town is in chaos. And after the whole ordeal is over, the antagonist, a greedy old man named Mr. Potter, is talking to George Bailey, who is the manager of the savings and loan, and he tells George... There were only two people in the whole town that didn't lose their heads in the crisis. You and me. There were the only two that displayed patience. Everyone else in the town panicked. They were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And they were literally willing to give up half of their savings just to be assured that they would have half left. And Mr. Potter was more than happy to offer up his wealth to guarantee that half so that he would just get more wealthy in the process. But it was George Bailey who also showed patience and, and didn't lose his mind in the crisis. And because of him, there wasn't a single customer of his savings and loan that lost anything. Because he was able, through his patience, to guide them through the crisis. He stood out from all the others. Because of how he proved himself in the middle of the crisis, in the middle of the trial. And the testing of our faith produces patience. A faith that in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the testing, does not waver and does not swerve. It's what allows us to stay deliberate in our purpose and resolve in the face of delay. In the face of trial. In the face of testing. In the face of persecution and suffering. And patient faith is just one of the characteristics of a Christian that should set us apart from the world. A characteristic that should cause the world to take notice and to ask us, why are we different? First Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. The context of this passage is one in which people are suffering, but in the middle of their suffering, they've not lost their joy. And that doesn't make sense to the world. And that's why he says that the people are going to come and ask you for a reason for the hope. Why do you hope when there's no reason for you to hope? And Peter says we should all be ready and and willing to give our explanation of the hope, Jesus Christ, who is in us. And that hope to them may not make sense, but it's our witness that makes them question what's different about our life versus theirs. Dallas Willard, the late theologian, said these words regarding that passage. He said, if you do not exhibit 
the presence of life that is above this world, something that is coming into you and giving you joy, peace, and strength in a situation that looks very bad from the outside, there isn't going to be anything for people to ask about. We'll just be like everybody else. We'll be one of the ones running around ready to take half of what we're owed because we just don't want to lose the other half. One of the things that Dallas would have been referring to is the patient faith that James described. When our faith is tested, when it's tried, what do we find out about ourselves? Do we respond the same as the world or do we find out that our hope and our faith really is grounded and rooted in Jesus Christ? In the middle of the crisis, we can exhibit a character that makes the world wonder, that makes the world question, and makes them ask us, where does your hope come from? So in the middle of the storm, when our faith is being tested, we can count it all joy, as James said. And that will be a witness to those around us. But there's something else that we can do in the middle of our trials and testings when our faith and patience is being tested. We can exhibit that other characteristic of patience that I said was the first thing that I think of when I think of patience. And that's waiting. We wait. And waiting is so hard. None of us likes to wait for anything. But it's such an important aspect to our walk of faith. In Isaiah 40, 27 through 31, it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. Amen. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. There is strength to be found in waiting. I mentioned earlier that our vision at NCC is for everyone in the communities that we, that we live to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ. And one of those aspects is the hearing and the responding. But what do you do when you're not hearing anything from God? I've shared before and I'll share again. There's been times in the seven years that I've been here that we didn't know what the next step was that God had for us. And the elders would be praying and seeking the Lord. And if he didn't give us something to do, we didn't just find something to do. We waited and we waited and we waited. And it wasn't that we don't do anything. I'm not suggesting that we sit on our hands and don't do anything. We didn't stop having Sunday morning services. We didn't stop teaching our children about the Word of God. We continued to do the things that God had laid in front of us. But we didn't go try and fix the situation or do something new just because He wasn't responding to our questions. If God's not responding at this moment, there's a reason It's not time yet. You need to wait till you hear His voice. 
One of the worst things that we can do when we're not hearing the voice of God is to go do something on our own. Saul and Abraham are just two examples of the many examples in the Bible of men who got frustrated because they weren't getting what they thought they should from God in the moment that they thought they should get it. Abraham had been promised by God that he would have a son in his old age through Sarah, his wife. But years passed by. Years passed by. And they were too old to have children when the promise was given. It was just getting more and more unlikely, more and more impossible for God to fulfill His Word. So what did they do? They got tired of waiting. And they said, God must not have meant for the baby to come through you. Maybe if I sleep with your servant, or Sarah had the bright idea and Abraham went along. And so they make a baby on their own. Because they had to do something to help God out. Because He wasn't coming through. He wasn't doing what He said. And they got tired of waiting. And God said, you should have waited. And by His grace and by His mercy, He still came through. And he gave them Isaac through Sarah. But a lot of problems came into the world because of their disobedience. And Saul, there was, there was a day when they were to go to battle. And he was supposed to wait for Samuel to come offer the sacrifice. But the, the, he said the people were getting antsy. It was almost time to go to battle and Samuel wasn't there. And so Saul got tired of waiting. And so he took it upon himself to stand in place of the prophet and offer a sacrifice in his place because he got tired of waiting. And immediately after he finished, guess who shows up? Samuel. And he says, Saul, what did you do? And he says, well, I got tired of waiting. They were, the soldiers were going to run away. God wasn't going to take care of us. So I had to. And it was that day that he lost his kingship and God gave it to David, a man after his own heart. We get tired of waiting and we think it's just time to do something. But I'm telling you, it's worth the wait. Wait until you hear the voice of God. And if you're not hearing it now, do the last thing he told you to. Stay faithful. Stay patient. Don't lose hope. Trust in God. And the people around you will take notice. God can use it as a witness. And when He does speak, when He does give you the next step, when He does come through miraculously, the time will be right and He will get the glory. And those around you will witness why you have the hope that you do. Throughout our lives, we have the opportunity to wait on God for all sorts of things. I think one of the most difficult things to wait on may be a physical healing. Out of all the accounts of people that Jesus healed in the New Testament, there's only four that tell us how long they endured their condition and waited for their healing. The time spans range from 12 to 38 years. Now, while some waited more than others, they all had to wait a very long time. 
I don't know about you, but 12 years is a long time to wait if you're in pain and in need of healing. And none of them during those years ever had any assurance that they would be healed. They had not received a word from the Lord about their healing. They just knew they were sick and they wanted to be healed. And we're going to look at one of these accounts of Jesus' interaction with the woman that had the flow of blood for 12 years. In that account, Jesus also raised Jairus' daughter. Uh, well, he comes for healing, uh, and during the process, they find out that she's passed away, and Jesus eventually raises her from the dead. But we're not going to look at that part of it, so you'll see some verses skipped out because we're just focusing on the woman. But if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 8, verse 40 through 48. In verse 40 it says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Verse 42, As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Verse 44, She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Matthew and Mark also have an account of this, and both of them led us into the woman's thoughts. Uh, they said that she had said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who is it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds around you surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The first thing that I want to point out is the very first verse that we read in this account. In verse 40, we read that the crowd had been waiting for Jesus to return. In Luke 8.26, it said that his disciples and Jesus had sailed to the country of the Gerizines. And that's where he uh, healed the man that was full of demons and cast them out into the pigs. And that land of the Gerizines was on the opposite side of the Galilee. And so Jesus and his disciples had just come back from there. But the people were waiting for him. They were waiting for Jesus. Remember that waiting is a key part of our patient faith. There's no better waiting for us to do than to wait for Jesus. They had heard Jesus was healing people and they had heard about the miracles. They had thought maybe he could heal them as well. Maybe he could change their life too. And so they were waiting for him. And the woman was among those waiting She had been waiting for 12 years. But she hadn't just waited. We read in that passage that she had tried to do everything she could do on her own to get healed. We read that she literally spent everything that she had on doctors and medicine. Anything that would offer even the slightest hope of being healed. The scripture doesn't say it, but we know how humans are. I would say it's very likely that she had even been swindled many times by people offering some sort of miracle cure. 
And she was more than willing to try it. She was willing to try anything if there was any chance that she could be healed. But at this point, she'd used up all of her money. She couldn't even try things anymore because she didn't have the money to try things. In the world's eyes, she should have had no hope left. But she was among the crowd waiting for Jesus to return. And while all the circumstances and all the logic in the world should have convinced her that she had no reason to hope left, she still had hope. As I mentioned before, she was saying to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. What faith. And Jesus confirmed that it was her faith after she had been healed. He told her that it was her faith that had made her whole and that she could go in peace. In our culture, New Year's is supposed to be a time of new beginnings, of hope for something different, a time for change. But I think there's a lot of us this morning that are facing a challenge to our faith. A testing of our faith. And we can face this challenge one of two ways. We can count it as joy. All as joy, as James suggested. Knowing that God is going to do a work in and through the testing and the trial and reward us with a new level of patient faith. Or we can lose our hope. We can lose our faith and respond to the testing and the trials just like the world would do. We can respond like Abraham and Saul. I have to fix this myself. I have to do something on my own. I can't trust God to take care of me, so I have to do it for myself. We can give up on the waiting and take matters into our own hands. But I want to encourage you this morning to keep your hope. Keep your faith. The woman with the flow of blood saw 12 new years with no change in her condition. Everything seemed against her. She had done everything that she could on her own. And when all hope should have been lost, she waited for Jesus. And she wasn't disappointed. I can't make you any promises this morning regarding the testing or the trial that your faith is going through right now. I can't promise you that it will be over today. I can't promise you that it will be over tomorrow or next year or in 12 years. We can't answer the question why almost all the time. Usually, the answer that God gives when we ask why is, trust me. Trust me. Wait. And trust me. And while I can't make any promises this morning, I can offer you encouragement. It's the same encouragement that James offered. That we can count it all joy if we trust God That he can work in and through the trial and the test to produce a patient faith in us that will not waver, that will not fail, that will not be taken off course if we keep our hope and faith in him. In Isaiah 43, 2, there's a promise from God. 
He said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. God himself has never promised that we wouldn't have to pass through the water. But he said we won't be overwhelmed. He didn't promise that we won't have to go through the fires. That's part of the testing. That's part of what proves our faith. But he did promise we wouldn't be consumed by them. Why? Because of the one thing that he did promise. That he will be with us. As we step into a new year today, know that He is with you. And you can trust Him. I encourage you to not lose your hope. Put your faith in Him. And then wait. There's a song on the Christian radio playing right now. It's by the band called We the Kingdom. And the the song title is Miracle Power. But one of the lines uh, just goes along with this message so well. It says, I may not know what a day may bring, but I know who brings the day. We don't know what test or trial we're going to face today. And we certainly have no idea what we may face tomorrow, but we know who brings the day. This day and all of our tomorrows, and he has promised us that he will be with us. Before we close in prayer this morning, I want to share with you an opportunity that's coming up for our entire community. I believe it's an opportunity that God's going to move in to bring healing. We, we received a, a prophetic word multiple years ago about God uh, healing people in, in our body and in this community, uh, spiritually, physically, mentally, uh, just in all sorts of ways. And we've been praying about that word. And as I said, it's one of those words that, that the elders have been praying about and saying, okay, God, are we supposed to do something with this? And for years we've been waiting. And we really felt like God uh, was bringing up that opportunity now. And he started bringing things, putting things into place. And without us even looking like I had no idea, how are we going to do this? Who would come? What's this going to look like? And then he started laying out the steps. And that's where, where we are today is we're bringing in a speaker for uh, the entire community. It's not going to be at, at New Covenant Church. It's going to be hosted at the Lampasas High School. And we've gotten uh, the Churches of the Ministerial Alliance are supporting it. And they're going to promote it as well. And it will be in the newspaper and we'll get the word out. But we, I, I'm bringing this to your attention because we want your help in us getting the word out. Because this will be an opportunity for people to receive the healing that they've been waiting on. And they may not have known it, but the real person they've been waiting on is Jesus Christ. The speaker, her name is Amy Spears. She's a a licensed professional counselor, but she's also a very strong Christian and a believer. And the counseling that she offers includes Jesus Christ. And she's going to equip those people that attend with, with tools and methods uh, that are grounded in the Word of God that will deal with depression and anxiety, stress, anger, addiction, grief, trauma, and other mental health areas. 
And the whole community will be invited. It's going to be on January 21st, a Saturday, at the high school cafeteria, as I mentioned, from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. These flyers are in the foyer, and I would just invite you to take some of those to help us get the word out. You can invite people that you may know that needs it, but I don't know about you. We all need it. There is an area of our life that we could apply these principles from. It's not something to be ashamed about. It's something to reach out and get the help that you need. And let people that you know that you might think would would benefit. If you have a business, we'd love for you to put it up there. If you know, have friends who run a business, give them a copy. Let them uh, put it up as well. This is a great opportunity for us, for the body of Christ, to reach out to those who are in need with an encounter with Jesus. And they may not be willing to come into a church yet, but maybe they'll be willing to go to the high school and hear somebody with something that they just might think may give them hope. Just like the woman with the flow of blood. And they may not know that they need Jesus Christ, but they may find him there. Our invitation could give them the opportunity to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ for themselves. As we close this morning in prayer, ask God what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And listen. You may hear his voice right now. You may not. If you don't, wait. And keep waiting and keep listening until you hear him give you the guidance that you need. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have hope. We will always have hope because of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not given their life to you, Lord, that this morning, as they were hearing, Lord, that their faith was stirred up and they have put their hope, they have put their trust in you. Lord, and from this moment forward, that they would never be the same again. Lord, and I just ask that we all receive the promise you made in Isaiah 43, that when we pass through the waters, that we know that you will be with us. And when we go through the river, they shall not overwhelm us. When we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. And the flame will not consume us because you are with us. That's enough, Lord. It's enough that you're with us. And I pray that those around us, those uh, family members, those co-workers, those classmates, those uh, any relationship that we have that touches our life, that when they see us responding in patient faith, that they will ask us, how can you still have hope when you're going through what you're going through? And our answer will be because we have hope in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And he is with me today. And that's why I still have hope. Lord, we give you all glory and honor and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What a great word, wasn't it? Man. If that doesn't start your year off right, man, I tell you what. I love to be able to, again, come in, get the word of God, set your path down the right way. Right? What a great way to start the new year. I have this verse that's just been sticking with me today, and I'm going to read it. And probably most of you will already know it, but I feel like it's fitting, um, especially after a word like that and going into the new year. Jeremiah 29, 11 
For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Verse 12. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And this is the part that I love. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart. Right? You will seek me and find me. I love that. And here's the best part. I will be found by you, says the Lord. When we seek him, we find him, right? I just love that as we go through seasons of life, as we go through changes, as we go through these things, as we seek God, he meets us. That allows those trials to just be something so much easier. But now it's announcement time. Sorry. How many of you, hopefully you all got a bulletin when you first walked in the door? Did you grab one? Right? Yeah? Love this bulletin. What's going to happen is this is going to just keep you informed of what's going on for the month. We're going to put monthly announcements in there. So anything that's happening, you're going to be able to find it right inside. You'll see the calendar. Okay? So great way to be able to see everything that's going on for the month. If you're a note taker, we even left some note spots in the back. So each week you can fill out some notes, um, take it with you and, and keep them in your um, Bible. Keep them wherever you are so you can go back to them and be refreshed by your notes and the message. Also, we have the calendar app. If you haven't um, joined the Planning Center calendar app, please do that. That's a great way to stay informed also. Next week at 1030, okay? We have the Connect class. If you want to join that Connect class, just show up. It's going to be in the Fellowship Hall. Again, that's at 1030. We'd love the opportunity to connect with you, get to know you better. Um, hear our heart a little bit deeper. It's a great way to just get that much more involved in the church. Right? All right. This Wednesday, kids starts back up. Life groups start back up. Get involved, man. Bring your kids over uh, next when this coming Wednesday. I was about to say the following week, man. All right, again next Sunday. Also, youth starts. Okay, no youth tonight, but next Sunday it will. All right, let's pray real quick. Dear Jesus, I thank you. I praise you for the word that was brought today. I thank you for each and every single person that is here, Father God. I pray that you go before them. Lord, make their path straight as they go throughout their week. May they have God appointments. May they have ears to hear what it is that you say. May they be a blessing to those around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 